Good afternoon. Hope you're having an awesome Erev Shabbos and hope you enjoyed yesterday's episode because I'll tell you one thing, Miri definitely did. Okay, as is our Friday custom, let's share one of the thousands of relevant messages from this week's Torah portion that you and I can apply to our everyday lives. This week's Parsha being Parsha Spikude. But with everything that is tragically transpiring in the world as we speak, it's important to see that the Torah portion does not only talk about relevant messages for our lives in the abstract, it also speaks to us specifically with what is happening around us, our current events, even in Ukraine as we speak. Remember, if Torah is eternally relevant, it must also be currently relevant as well. And it always is if you have the lens on how to study Torah. So I want to share with you a thought by a Rav Palm, a great Rav who lived in New York, passed away in 2001, and his grandson happens to live right around the corner from us. He points out that in this week's Parsha, the Haftorah and the Parsha have a clear connection. They're both about the completion of a space where God himself would reside amongst the people. The Parsha talks about the Mishkan in the desert, and the Haftorah talks about the first temple being built by King Solomon in Jerusalem five centuries later. But there's something really interesting about what happens after the completion of the temple. It says that Shlomo HaMelech, King Solomon, took all the huge amounts of excess gold, silver, and other construction materials from all that his father, King David, had collected for use to build the base HaMikdash, the temple, and placed them into the treasuries. It seems normal, right? But Rashi quotes a Midrash called the Yalkut Shemoni that says something which is really perplexing and really needs an explanation. The Midrash says that King Solomon didn't just put away the extra that his father, King David, had collected. He actually refused to use any of what King David collected and only monies that he himself collected and put all of King David's funds into the treasury. Now, why would he do that? What was wrong with King David's money that he had to use his own? So Rashi explains as follows, that during... King David's reign, there was a terrible famine that lasted for several years, and Shlomo HaMelech felt that King David should have used the valuable materials that were collected to build the temple instead to buy food for the people during that difficult time. And thus he thought it just wasn't proper to use those funds, which could have been used to help starving people, and instead use them to actually build the temple. Rapam goes on to explain that this Midrash contains a remarkable insight, which is perhaps speaking to you and me at this very critical moment. This Midrash underscores the priority we should place to protect and save human life, to the point that King Solomon felt that his dad acted a little inappropriately by not using funds that were meant to even build something as important as the temple itself. We know what the Western Wall is like. That's a fraction of what the ultimate Jewish community center for all times was going to be for. And instead, he thought he should have used it to buy bread and water for people who needed it. Now, when I saw this message from this week's Parsha, written by someone who passed away over 20 years, quoting a Rashi from a thousand years ago about a passage in the prophets written 2,000 years ago, I said, no, 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 this isn't just a nice old Torah idea. This is as current events as it gets. If it's possible that King David holding on to funds that were allocated to build nothing short of the temple itself, then how much more so are you and I supposed to come together to share our support for our brothers and sisters who are in desperate need as we speak? After all, what else are we doing with our funds that would come even as close as important as building the temple? You know, in our family this week, sure, we've added countless tehillims to our davening, asking and pleading with Hashem to see an end to the bloodshed. 
But in addition to that, this week, our family also found opportunities to contribute to various tzedakah campaigns created to support the basic necessities of Jewish communities throughout Ukraine, as well as one in specific to give you an example of an escape of three busloads of Jews to Israel through efforts of a good friend of mine. And Baruch Hashem, many of them arrived in Israel just before Shabbos. This is just one example, but there will be many more needs as time goes on. You know, if you want to know of some projects that legitimately send 100% of the funds raised to help in Ukraine with life-saving measures, please feel free to send me an email. I'll put it in the my email in the podcast notes. And when I hear of a specific cause, I'm happy to keep you informed if you want to contribute. But these are things that we can all do. And these are things that, to be honest, we all must do. And in the merit of us coming together with prayer and tzedakah, may we see a Yeshua salvation from this atrocity and all future atrocities. As to be honest, I believe we are living in the precipice of messianic times. I really do. And therefore, it's more important than ever to act as the best type of Jew that we can. Amazing that if one truly studies Torah, the messages of what we are to do to this very day are and have always been right there. So the question isn't, are the messages in the Torah? The question is, can we live those messages? That's what it's meant by being an observant Jew, my friends, to listen, understand, and then live the messages of our Torah. And on that note, wishing you an awesome Shabbos. May we merit to see a Shabbat of Shalom, of peace for all. And I look forward to seeing you tomorrow.